Welcome to Daily Defining Moments. This is Pastor Allen, and I'm so glad you're with me. Our goal each day is to help you open your Bible and connect with Jesus. Remember, before I begin my day, God has something to say. We're reading through the New Testament portion of the one-year Bible in the New Living Translation. Today is November 18th, and our reading comes from James chapter 1 and 2. You remember yesterday, James, the half-brother of Jesus, the pastor of the church in Jerusalem, begins this conversation about how troubles, God works in our troubles to produce something good in our life. Therefore, when we face troubles, we can rejoice. We can open our heart. We can trust God to redeem those moments, to meet us in those moments. So beginning in verse 19, he's continuing that discussion. He says this, understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Listen, when we're going through trouble, our tendency is to talk when we need to listen. And there's no need to get angry. Let's open our heart and ask God, trust God to meet us in that moment and to redeem the moment. Verse 20, human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. So get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the word God has planted in your hearts for it has the power to save your soul. The next thing that James says God produces through our trouble is humility. The humility to close our mouth, to open our ears, and to embrace what God is saying and speaking into our situation. The truth is, until we suffer, our tendency is to be a little independent and a little hard-headed, right? But it's in our suffering that we humble ourselves and open our heart to receive God's wisdom, God's instruction, God's word. And it has the power to save our soul. I've got a friend right now that the truth is he's making a a really dumb decision. And he's not really felt any real consequences yet. But I know there is a day coming out in the future when all of a sudden his circumstances are going to kind of fall apart because of what he's going through. And in that moment, it's going to humble him and he's going to be open to accepting the truth that right now he's rejecting. And the truth is, when I look back on my life, that has happened many times with me, right? I was living independently, I loved Jesus and I was going to heaven, but I was kind of doing my own thing. But then as I began to suffer because of my bad decisions and my rejection of the truth or rejection of God's wisdom or plan for my life, in my suffering, I was humbled. My heart was open. I embraced the truth and God began redeeming the moment. And watch what he says next, verse 22. But don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourself. So it's not enough to just hear the word. We got to be doers of the word. In fact, in American culture, generally our problem isn't that we don't know the word. The problem is we don't do what we know. So we got to be careful. Even when we're listening to a podcast like this to make sure that we are doing our best to put into practice all that God is teaching us. And like we said yesterday, inviting the Spirit to produce this life in 
us. Verse 23, for if you listen to God's word and don't obey it, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, but you walk away and forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. So the metaphor here is every morning we get up and we look in the mirror. And for all of us, when we look in the mirror, we start fixing what's wrong, right? We wash our face, we brush our hair, we brush our teeth, we may shave, we may put on some makeup, right? We start fixing what the mirror is revealing needs to be fixed. And what James is saying is that the Word of God is like that mirror, that if we'll get into the Word of God, the Word of God is like a mirror that helps us to see our heart, Helps us to see the condition of our soul. Helps us see the way we think. You remember Hebrews 4.12? The Word of God is living and active, and it's penetrating like a double-edged sword into our heart and mind and our soul, right? So the Word of God is just like that. And so what James is saying is, don't look in the mirror of God's Word and just walk away leaving yourself a mess. No, look into the mirror of God's Word and stay there and allow the Holy Spirit to take the Word of God and to transform you so that now you can walk out of that time with God looking more like Jesus and ready to interact with your world. So it's a beautiful metaphor. It's something that we experience every single day. And God says that should be true, not just for your bathroom mirror, but that should be true with your time in the Word every day, allowing it to help you grow and change. Verse 26, if you claim to be religious but don't control your tongue, you're fooling yourself and your religion is worthless. Wow, what a powerful word for American culture today. Jesus said it this way, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So my words are actually a reflection of what's going on in my heart. Again, when I look back on my life years and years ago, man, I was much quicker with my words. I was much quicker to be offended and to tell somebody so. I was much quicker to be arrogant and to think I knew what I didn't know and to blab about it, right? I was much quicker to to speak or to talk about things that were unholy, perverse, crass, just inappropriate for a follower of Christ or a man of God, right? My words reflected the immaturity of my heart. And often, right, often we can be around people and immediately pick up on their spiritual maturity by simply listening to their words. And so just keep in mind, your words are advertising to everybody some things about your spiritual condition. And again, the key is let's not try to control our words. Let's invite Jesus to change our hearts. If Jesus changes our hearts, guess what? It'll be reflected in our words, right? Verse 20, chapter two, verse one, my dear brothers and sisters, how can you claim to have faith in your glorious Lord Jesus Christ if you favor some people over others. And so now he's going to talk about favoritism. And this would apply not only to favoritism, so favoring 
a person over somebody else for any reason. In this passage, he talks about money, so favoring the affluent over those who have nothing. But you could apply this to any category. We shouldn't favor anybody for any reason. Every person's created in the image of God. Every person, Jesus died for them. Every person, God has a plan and purpose and wants to work redemptively in their life. So we need to treat everybody with tremendous value and grace to try to relate to people the way God relates to us. So important. Then chapter 2, verse 10, for the person who keeps all the law except one is as guilty as the person who's broken all of God's laws. For the same God who said you must not commit adultery also said you must not murder. So if you murder somebody, but you don't commit adultery, you've still broken the law. Man, this is so important to understand. It's so easy for us to kind of develop these pet sins that we really highlight and we say, well, I would never do that. But there are some things that we would do. So, for example, we might say, well, I would never commit adultery. I'd never do that to my wife or family. But then over on the side, you might be looking at porn. Or you might be dishonest. Or you might mistreat people that you think are not as good as, as you are in some way, or you might, you know, there's something you might covet, or you might, I mean, there's some things in our hearts that we all struggle with, but our tendency is to minimize what we struggle with and to highlight what we're good at, and then to judge other people for not being good at it, and all of that kind of puffs us up. And all that's just religious. Here's what James is saying we all have to understand. If we break even one law, we're guilty. And so rather than kind of trying to evaluate who's more spiritual based on our ability to follow the law, let's just recognize if we break one law, we're guilty and we all need Jesus. And let's grow in our capacity to follow him and allow him to transform our lives. Verse 13, there'll be no mercy for those who have not shown mercy to others. But if you've been merciful, God will be merciful when he judges you. You remember from the Beatitudes? The first four Beatitudes were about our connection to Jesus, humility, brokenness, dependence, surrender. And then the next four relate to how we treat other people. And the first one, the fifth Beatitude is blessed are the merciful for they will obtain mercy. And the whole idea is when we understand the gospel, when we understand how merciful God has been towards us, then we can't help but be merciful. So there's a relationship between these two ideas. When we realize that if we've broken one letter of the law, we're guilty and deserve God's judgment, but we've received mercy then in our relationships with other people, even when they're guilty and deserve judgment, we're motivated to be merciful because of the mercy we've received. Isn't that good? And then final thing, verse 14, what good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? Suppose you see your brother or sister who has no food or clothing and you say goodbye, have a good day, stay warm and eat well but you don't give anything to help that person with food or clothing. What good is that? See, 
Faith by itself isn't enough unless it produces good deeds. It is dead and useless. Again, this is a big challenge in American culture. So many people claim to be Christian, claim to believe in Jesus, and yet their faith, quote unquote, has not produced any change, any real, you know, something we can evaluate change in their life. And I think James would wrestle with, do you really have faith? Is that faith any good? Will that kind of faith save you? And I think we all just have to examine our own hearts. And And I know I'm preaching to the choir. You wouldn't even be listening to this podcast if you didn't want to grow and change. So let's just continue to open our hearts and allow God to produce his life in us and that our faith would manifest in good works. It would transform the way we relate to people and our world. Let's pray together. Father, thank you again for James. I just love how practical this book is. James is, is not beating around the bush with high-sounding theological arguments. He is right there where the rubber meets the road, challenging us to have genuine faith that produces good works. So just like we talked about two days ago, God, we invite you to produce in us by the power of Jesus, the presence of your spirit, all that you desire from us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Man, I hope that encourages you. I know that's a lot. Let's stay stay in that word, just meditating on these verses, allowing them to take root in our hearts. So proud of you. So glad that you're with me every day. Remember, before I begin my day, God has something to say. We'll see you again tomorrow.